don't want any feedback. Um, well, you're going to get feedback. <laughs> you're going to get feedback. Good feedback. Good feedback. So walking in the spirit. And, and, you know, what does that mean? Now, you have to understand, uh, Dick actually uh, broached uh, the topic of my, my old alma mater, the Catholic Church. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm always going to be Catholic. I, I really am. I mean, that's just the way it is. It, right. And, you know, big, big C, little C, it doesn't matter. I, you know, I, I, I grew up that way, and there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of richness to Catholic spirituality. I, I don't think that's ever going to go away. Um, you know, one of the reasons I had left Gordon College when I left it was I, I didn't see, I saw, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of uh, exegesis on Scripture, which is awesome. You know, we don't do a lot of that maybe in the Catholic Church so much. But, um, you know, as far as the prayer life, the spiritual life, you know, you read some of the things that come out of the Desert Fathers, the early fathers of the church, and you're like, whoa, why aren't they? Pre-? I mean, it's so meaty. It's just so meaty, and it's so rich. Um, but, you know, coming into the vineyard, and, you know, like he said, the, vineyard, the vineyard's not afraid of that. Uh, I, I think the vineyard is willing to t- partake of it. See, my thing is, is really, truly, you know, if God is who he says he is, you know, if I had a Bible, I'd be waving it right now. It re- as revealed in the book uh, that we have, the 66 books of the Bible, you know, he doesn't change. There's no shadow of changing in God. So why is it that after the canon was developed of Scripture that suddenly the Holy Spirit would withdraw and then all of a sudden we're just left to live it on our own until Jesus returns. And there is the serendipitous act of the Spirit that may happen, but somehow we're not, we don't have really any input into that. We can pray, we can supplicate, God in his mercy may respond, we don't know. But it seems like that that supernatural, (laughs) you know what I mean? And uh, again, within my church setting, where I came from, you know, the people that did that were the saints, and those saints lived lives of toil and suffering, and, and, and they, you know, and th- an occasional miracle would happen, and it was investigated. Yeah, there you go. But, you know, is that, is that really what we're here for? I mean, is it accessible to us? And if it isn't, then why even bother, you know? I, I wouldn't even be here because Why? Really, it's a pie in the sky. That's what I call it, the pie in the sky. Sometime in the sweet by and by, we should see it all revealed. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, we're reading this book in, in year two that we're doing on Monday nights. Um, we were told to, wa- uh, to read it a couple times through. And really, um, the introduction blew me away so far more than any other part of the book. And it, it came down to just a simple sentence. The writer's name is Rick Evans. Uh, he's a vineyard pastor up in the uh, Ohio, uh, Ohio area uh, on the lake. And he says this. He says, enjoying the presence of God is a game changer. Enjoying the presence of God is a game changer. And I thought to myself, you know, when we come to ministry, let me, let me back up a little you know, when we come up here as a prayer team and we minister over people, we're always looking, trying to funnel the power of God into someone's life. You know, it's a power event where God's going to come and he's going to manifest himself and he's going to change a person's life. That's not untrue. That's true, right? We, we believe God does move that way. 
but it's almost like we're <laughs> a fire department just opening up a hose and spraying the person down. And is that really what it is? Rick says, instead of ministering the Holy Spirit being seen or experienced as a power encounter, um, ministry tool used to funnel God's power into situations we'd like to see changed, he comes out and says it is rather the ministry of the Holy Spirit bringing the presence of Jesus into somebody's life. All right? It's, it's bringing the presence of Jesus into a need in somebody else's life. John 16, 14, Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All right? So Rick elucidates, the work of the Holy Spirit is to shine a spotlight on the presence of Christ. And when the presence of Christ, um, when the presence of Jesus shows up, healing happens. All right? This is what Jesus loved to do, right? He walked about giving the sozo word of God and restoring people's lives. He sums it up by uh, exhorting us to remember that ministry time is the act of inviting Christ's presence into someone else's need. And you know, it just takes all the responsibility off of us having to perform. You know, the only performance, all right, you know, I see prayer ministry in one of two ways, and I, I think both are true. You're being an emissary of, you're being an ambassador of Christ's love. It's like, you know, we, this church here is, um, what are they called? Uh, when you, you're, you've got your representation in a foreign country. What is that called? And, you know, ambassadorship, but they have their, what's that place? that they work in, embassy. embassy. So everything within that embassy wall is heaven, <laughs> all right? So this, in a sense, the church is, is like the embassy here in this area of earth, and we are representations, and we all go out as ambassadors, and we all are responsible to carry the ambassadorship of God with us, all right? So that's who we represent. You know, if we declare ourselves Christians, I'm a believer, I, I've, I've been washed in the blood, brother, you know? <laughs> All of that, if we claim that identity, then you are an ambassador. When you step out of here, you are representing the kingship of God. All right? So, moving on. So who is this Jesus and what significance in our lives um, or the lives of others does, does that carry? So I'm going to go just kind of through a couple of chapters of John here real quick, and uh, we're kind of kind of trying to unpack that for you. Um, I'm just saying unpacking because a lot of people say unpacking, so I'm going to use that word. In the beginning was the Word. Okay, John 1, 1, 1 through 4. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And you know, life in its fullness, not life in its partiality, not life in being crippled, not life in being blind, not life in being mute, not life in being dumb, not life in, in, in any aspect. It's life in its fullness, life in its completeness. And this is what he carries. This is who he is, all right? And that life was the light of men. John 12, uh, 1 John 12 and 13. One, John 1, 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So there's a transformation there. There's a spiritual reality that we step into when we come into union with Christ. 
all right? And it's not, it, it, it's not anything man-made. It comes of God in his spirit. We're going to jump down to for, uh, John 1, 14, 16, and 17. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace, oh, what an awesome word, grace and truth. For from this fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Ah, oh, listen to that. We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? So we carry that as ambassadors. You know, it's not just like we go on Sunday, we step out the door, and we go back to our old way of life. You know, we need to grasp onto that. We need to put it on. We need to be immersed in it. You know, we need to be pickled in that, right? We need to be changed and transformed. Understand, that's the identity we carry when we're in the outside world. Now, I'm not speaking as a person who has arrived. I'm probably one of the ten most selfish people I know, probably in the top five. I think someone moved into six. I'm not sure. But anyway, John the Baptist witnessed to this when Jesus came to be baptized, right? John, first chapter, 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, takes away the sin of the world. Right? And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, right? And we just read before that what the the Spirit comes to declare what Jesus has, right? Declare who he is. So here's this relationship. This is the start of it in Jesus' earthly ministry. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Many Many here have come to that knowledge, understanding, and faith in Jesus. Rick Evans encourages us to share that reality by inviting truth, the light and the grace of Jesus into prayer, uh, into the prayer recipient's needs. But who are we to attempt to invite Jesus into someone else's life? What authority do we have to presume to affect such change? I mean, you know, we just painted this picture of Jesus. We've seen John expound on he is the word. He's the logos of God, right? He's the son of man who has come and walked in grace and light and truth. He's got the spirit on him, but who are we, right? So... Later in John, during his exchange with Nicodemus, Jesus says something truly fascinating. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, for those of us who have gone through or are going through the School of Kingdom ministry, Putty has pointed out that the kingdom, the word basileia in the Greek, uh, brings out a very unique definition that it's not necessarily a structure or a geographic identity but it is a kingship, a sovereignty. It's an authority or rule, especially of God, both in the world and in the hearts of men. So if that's true, go back to what John just said. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So we get baptized in water and by the spirit, and we step into this authority. We step into the sovereignty. We step into this kingship. So we are no longer just little minions going out and doing these things. But we have been given by God through his spirit, through the right of baptism, the right to go out and move in authority, in kingship, in rule, 
in people's lives, you know? That's a pretty amazing thought. <laughs> you know, grasp onto what the reality of that is, you know? This isn't pie in the sky anymore, is it? It isn't in the sweet by and by. I mean, does that mean we lose every or win every battle that we, we touch? No, I don't think so. There's a war going on, right? That's true. You know, we can't avoid that. But we are in that role, and I don't think we can deny that role. We need to, we need to wear that role. You know, we need to, to, to identify with that role. So John, moving up to chapter 14, Jesus again is speaking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works. For these he will do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So how, how does that work? By what mechanism? And I know this may be sound a little Sunday schoolish, but um, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give to you the Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So it's, it's a promise. It's there. Again, it's there. Either we, we step into that reality um, and live that full life, or, or we're kind of living a half life. And again, I come from the Catholic Church. We're really good at guilt. But this isn't about guilt. This is just being stepping into who you are and being all that you can be in light of Christ, growing in the love of Christ. It's, it's stepping out. So we believe in the name, we are baptized in water, and we become commissioned. Now, I, I'm in the Army Reserves. Uh, I was an enlisted man, you know, your private, all the way up to sergeant for a number of years. I went and got my education. I, got, I graduated and, uh, as an RN, and I went back to the, the military, and I took a commission. I became a commissioned officer in the United States Army. And, um, you know, they have you raise, raise your right hand, and swear an oath to defend and protect the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And now what happens is that the people that are enlisted, when I speak to a person that's enlisted, I'm no longer speaking as Sergeant so-and-so or anyone else for that matter. I am speaking really for the President of the United States. I carry his authority. When I give an order to a person that needs to be obeyed, I'm not doing it under my own authority, but I do it of the person in the authority under me, and they're legally obligated to follow that order because it's not disobeying me, an officer. It's disobeying, really, the one who sent me, right? And so when we are commissioned and given the Holy Spirit, we carry the same authority of the king. And, um, you know, that's pretty powerful stuff. Do you want to go out and use that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Or do you just want to say, oh, well, that's for them? You know, I, I think, th here's the thing, too. I, I just want to point this out, because I was in the seat before that, oh, you know, the, that kind of stuff, that power ministry or that inviting Jesus into people's lives or bringing, you know, that's for them. That's not really for me. I can't, I can't do that. Well, the truth of the matter is, very seriously, folks, I can't do it either. I, I don't have that. I, I'm not that guy. I don't have power enough to just raise somebody from the dead, to restore sight to the blind. I don't do it. it, but it's not me, it's God. You know what I mean? When I go and pray for someone and something happens, and it does happen, 
It's not me. <laughs> you know, so I can't, I, can't, I can't walk around puffing myself out. So for those of you who think, well, I can't do that, the, the, the simple truth of the matter is you're right. You can't. There's, there's no way you can do it. If you can, man, you'd make a billion dollars. You know, you wouldn't have to worry about a thing for the rest of your life. But it's not us. It's God. And so if you walk around with that attitude, well, I can't do that, I'm just affirming, yes, you're right, you can't. But if you go out there and say, well, you know, God is able to do this, and all I want to do is share that love of God in someone's life, then that yes in and of itself will bring something into their life that they never had before. And that is grace upon grace, right? The light of the world. So how do we walk in the reality of this? How does this become our reality versus that pie in the sky? A good friend of mine, Peter Carpentier, said something to me that has stuck with me through the years. He said, I am saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. You know, I started off coming to Christ, and I've been growing ever since. I didn't inherit it all, and I stand up here, like Paul says, an earthen vessel, cracked and broken, but filled with the Spirit. All right? I'm, I'm an imperfect person. I have lots of faults. I walk through those things because that's what I need to do. But every day, I try and give up more. It's almost like, you know, you say yes to Christ once, you say yes to Christ every day, every moment. It's not a one and done. It really isn't. You know, look at an NBA player. You know, they came through, you know, uh, (laughs) the leagues in, in middle school and junior high and high school. They train, they work, they go to college, they train and they work. They get out there and they do their things and they're professionals at that point, right? Well, it's the same thing in our Christian walk. In ministry, in, in, our, in, in every aspect of our Christian walk, we start where we can barely crawl, right? And then we learn to walk, and then we learn to run, you know? And then we learn to dance, yeah? That's the best part. We learn to dance. So we work to integrate the reality of Christ's ministry of forgiveness and reconciliation into every aspect of our lives. We seek to grow or mature into this reality for ourselves, Right? But we also do it for our families, and we also do it for our communities. This isn't just all about me. This is about Christ's love invading the entire world. It doesn't often come easy. <laughs> there are no parts of our lives that, uh, there are parts of our lives that fight to maintain and keep the status quo, right? I don't want to change there. I'm really comfortable there, even though it's kind of destroying me and making me a grump. I, w- I don't want to let go of that. But, you know, those are the, the places that Christ wants to most be in. He wants to be Lord of every part of your life. And we have been commissioned, right? So the challenge is to give them up. So we need to train, as I just said. I was thinking, well, what can I use as an example of that? Has anyone ever tried to use a dry sponge to do something? <laughs> doesn't really work, does it? No, it's got to be soaked. It's got to be infused. And our, our bodies, our, our lives need to be the same way. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be really useful. You can't give away what you don't have, right? You go out there dry and you try and minister, (laughs) the results aren't often good. But if you stay soaked, if you stay filled with that spirit, and when you go and you touch someone, when you go and you minister to someone, all the difference in the world. So uh, another example I'd like to give you. Paul exhorts us, continually be filled with the spirit. When we go home, what's one of the first things we do when we go home, especially in this generation age? What's that? Turn the TV on. That's close, but there's something even more important now. It's becoming more and more important. Let's plug our cell phones in, right? Got to recharge. They've been up all day, 
you don't want to let your cell phone die. You go up the next day and you forgot to charge your cell phone, you're dead. You can't find out what the news, you can't find out what the Facebook statuses are. You can't read the news. You can't, you know, you're almost, you're flying blind. Your phone's dead. You're out of communication. You can't remember your phone number. So you plug in, right? Well, how much more do we need to do that in our spiritual lives? You know? Do we see that as same importance when we go out the next day? Are we charged up and ready for the adventures that are ahead of us? You know, we see someone in need. Are we charged up and ready to minister to them in love and in grace and in truth? So Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Ah, that's so awesome. Thank you. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whatever is true, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, huh? What, have you, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, um, out on the outside, it, it may be scary in this context a little bit, you know, even though we know each other, uh, you know, to, to actually offer to pray for somebody, especially if there's a, a physical impairment or something going on in someone's lives that they're really just desperate for a touch of God. And, uh, you know, they come to you for ministry and you're like, oh, Lord, please show up. <laughs> I can't do this. It's a very humbling place to be. And how much more scary is it on the outside when you see someone who's in need? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to share this one story with you real quick. We, uh, I, I work in, in the clinic over at the hospital, and um, I had this old guy come in, old, older guy, and, you know, some people old age faster than others. He, he's got full of disabilities. And uh, he came in complaining of his back hurting him. Um, so I, I, you know, got him in. I got him all ready for the doctor to see. And I said, hey, I just wanted you to know I'm a, I'm a Christian, and I believe that God heals today. Do you think it would be okay if I can pray for you? And he's like, um, yeah, that would be great. Um, you could pray for me. And so um, I, pr I prayed for his back. I think, you know, is it okay if I put my hand on your back? And he said, that's fine. And um, I prayed for him. And, um, you know, that, that was about the end of the encounter. And 10 weeks later, this guy, um, I had even forgotten what he looked like. I forgot his name. You know, you're just going about your business. Ten weeks, two and a half months goes by. I haven't seen or heard from him. All of a sudden, he's sitting in the waiting room, and he's there like half an hour early for the appointment. And, um, you know, he, he, he's just got this look in his face, this look of eager anticipation. And um, I'm just thinking, oh, he really wants his toenails cut. Um, so, but I'm like, no, you got to wait. I got to room these other patients here first. I got to room these other people. And finally comes a time when I can get him into the room. I get him uh, and say, come on, your time is ready. Come on over. And uh, his name's Richard. Actually, I just saw him this past Thursday. Um, he grabs my arm. This, not this past Thursday, but the, this second time I saw him. He, he grabs my arm with his vice-like grip, 
grip and he goes, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, what did I do? Um, and so we, and that, really, this guy, just, he's, he's a mess. He doesn't have good balance. He's walking with a cane. He's, you know, he's just, he's just, <laughs> I'm not sure how to say it. At, at, uh, entropy is working in his body. <laughs> it's starting to degrade. So uh, we get into the room, and I sit him down. And let me get you into the computer here, da, 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 do all his vital signs. Sit down in front of him, and I say, what's going on? He says, since you prayed for me, I have not had any pain in my back, none. He goes, I wake up occasionally, and I have some tightness, but I don't have any more pain. I said, well, that's awesome. Wow, God must really love you. And he goes, well, I've got another mission for you. There's the word mission, right? And I'm like, okay, what's the mission? And he goes, my knees are terrible. He goes, I I can't do anything without having pain in my knees. You know the story. (laughs) I've told it enough. He said, okay, so that's easy. I could pray for knees and pray for knees a lot. Yeah, let's do that. He goes, I'm deaf in both ears. (laughs) Let's take it up a notch, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, the, the, the immediate reaction I'm like tempted to have is, Oh, that's too much for me. But again, it's not me. It has nothing to do with me. All I'm doing is praying and letting God do what God's going to do. So I'm okay with that. Then he goes, I'm blind in my left eye. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. Anything else? Yeah, I can't stop peeing. (laughs) I'm like, all right, well, that... That's that's quite the quite the list. Let's let's start praying. And you know, he's very hard of hearing, he's deaf. He's got his hearing aids in. So I was trying to tell him about in the vineyard we asked people to put out their hands in a, a posture of receptiveness and, and so he immediately grabs my hands like again with this vice like grip. And I'm trying to fight my hands loose, break them away from this guy. And um, I finally slip them out, and I said, so I'm just going to pray for you right now. And I put my hands on this guy's knees. Now, there's him sitting against the wall in a chair, me sitting on a stool next to him, door closed, exam room, no one else there. The power of God comes down on this guy like a waterfall. I'm talking like I have never seen this before in my life. Never seen this before, except for maybe Toronto. Like, not like this. <laughs> This guy, his face immediately flushes. Tears just start pouring out of this guy's eyes like God has just opened up the ducts of heaven on this person's life. And I'm like, holy cow, what is going on? And I'm like, well, you know what? This is God. It's certainly not me. I'm just going to press into it. So I take my hands off my, his knees, and I put my hand. Now, I've been praying for, you know, like probably 15, 20 seconds I put my hands on his ears, over his ears, and I start praying again. And this, he's just losing it. I mean, snot's coming out of every orifice. He, he's just openly weeping. He's just openly weeping, all right? And um, I'm like, okay, press in. Go to put my hand over his glasses, over his left eye, and I start praying. And he says like this, please, Please, no more, no more. I, I, can't, I can't take it anymore. I, it's too much. I'm so overwhelmed. Wow. Yeah, really. Totally awesome. So, you know, I'm so overcome by what's going on. Tears are streaming down my face. 
Tears are streaming down this guy's face. I open the door and step out of the room, and there's our, our, our unit secretary. He's right there. She's looking at me, and she's looking in the room like, what the hell happened in there? <laughs> so I dry up my face, and, and he comes He doesn't even talk to me. Doesn't even talk to me. He just limps on out of the room. And now I'm like, oh, 10 weeks. <laughs> I got to wait two and a half months to find out what happened. Because that's amazing. <laughs> so, um, you know, two and a half months goes by, and he comes out, and, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm all excited to see him now. <laughs> and, you know, I get him into the room and everything, and he's like, nothing happened. I'm like, dude, you know, God fell on you. What happened? That was so awesome. He's like, um, oh, my knees are better. <laughs> I'm like, really? How about your hearing? I can't hear a thing, and I'm still peeing all the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then he proceeds to give me, um, you know, he's a Catholic. He goes to Catholic Church, and he just moved up here from Connecticut, where apparently they have a half-hour mass. And up here they do 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, and he's all pissed off at that, because why should he have to listen to <laughs> something for an hour? We can go down to Connecticut and get it in half hour. And I'm like, really, God? You rained down on this guy and brought your spirit and your love. And, and this is the feedback. <laughs> you know, his life wasn't necessarily transformed. And, you know, so I don't understand that. To me, it's, it's kind of a mystery, but I just try to edify and, and build a guy up and say, hey, look, you know, God really loves you. He's, he's touched you in a way I've not seen often. He's got something for you in your life. And, you know, I, I just, his mindset wasn't there. But it, it's just an amazing thing. Now, like, I'm just a scrubby RN, you know? Who am I? But just being able to reach out and, and, and just risk, right? That's how John Wimber sons it. R-I-S-K is how you spell faith. Just and say, hey, can I, can I just pray for you right now and see what God will bring to you, you know? So I, I'll share one more story. I'm going to close this up. So this mother and this son came in. Uh, I was working in internal medicine. They float me around sometimes when they uh, have needs and shortages in other departments. So I was working for uh, Dr. Milchev. One of his patients um, came in, and uh, she had a lot of stuff going on. But uh, you have to ask every patient by law in the state of New Hampshire if they're in pain and what their pain level is. And it may have nothing to do with their exam, but they're going to say that. But I think for prayer ministry, that's awesome because you get to see you know, what's going on with you. So, uh, and, and just to think, you know, people that I pray for, I get a range. It's a continuum of answers. I've been, I've been totally some guy yelled me at, at me and, and chewed me up one side and down the other because I asked to pray, um, asked to pray for him. Um, and I've had other people that have been very happy to be prayed for and have been very touched by that. Uh, so, you know, you, you don't know what you're going to get. You, you really don't know. You can't predict it. And sometimes people that you think are going to give you the hardest time are the ones that are most willing, and vice versa. The people that you think are most willing will really just give you um, a hard time about it. They don't want anything to do with it. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a roulette thing. But this guy, uh, this woman came in, and, uh, you know, she was complaining of back pain, 5 over 10. And she's got her son there, his 10-year-old blonde kid, and uh, I said, so um, I said, so you have this back pain. I said, I'm, I'm a Christian, and um, I believe that God heals today. Do you think I could could say a quick prayer over you? I do the drive-by prayer, roll down the window, but ba da in Jesus' name, Amen. Roll it back up and drive away. That's the way I pray. But um, so I said, it's 20 seconds, real quick, and uh, we just let wait and see what God does. And she's like, um, Yeah, I would be open to that. And um, so uh, her 10-year-old is sitting over there. I said, so what I want to do is I just want to put my hand on the small of your back, if that's okay with you. She yeah, it's okay with me. 
and, um, and we'll just go ahead and start praying. And I, I saw the son over there, and he's just like eagerly watching this, like this is fascinating. And I said, you know what? Why don't you come up here? We're going we're gonna to teach you how to pray for mom. Why don't you come on over here and help me out? So go ahead and just put your, the, your hand on the small of her back, and I'm going to put my hand over yours, and then you're just going to repeat after me, and we're going to ask God to heal mommy. Is that okay? He's like, yeah, yeah. So we start praying together, and, um, you know, I ask mama if that's okay. And she goes, well, it'll take a little while to figure out. You know, I can't tell right now. And um, so I started, you know, I wanted to build up her faith. So I start sharing with her just a short stories about, you know, some of the things that have occurred while I've done this prayer ministry. And um, the kid stops me. He's sitting on the chair, and he stops me. I think his name was Brian, Brandon. Brandon. And uh, Brandon says, um, wait, 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 wait. You mean God talks to you? And I'm like, oh, wow, look at this opening. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, this is just what happened, all right? This, y- you could feel the air change in the room, you know? All of a sudden, there's an opening here where there wasn't before, you know? And it happened through inviting him to come pray for his mom. Now, his mom had shared in this short conversation that they went to the Catholic Church, so I know that they're people of faith and that there's some kind of a spiritual connection there. They may not know all you know, the stuff, but there's a base. There's a foundation. So I said, yeah, you know, actually, Brandon, God talks to us all. I said, it's just sometimes whether we're listening or not. And I said, you know, he's probably talking to you all the time. It's just we need to learn to hear what he says. But, yeah, God, God talks to me, talks to your mom, he talks to you. And um, so this this little conversation, and the mom just got all excited. Like, you could just see the enthusiasm in her voice. This kid was like an open book. And we just started this little interchange about what being God's friend, what being God's son was like, and uh, you know, on a 10-year-old level. And um, he was just so engaged. And I said, you know, would it be okay with you guys if I just prayed a blessing into your son right now? And just ask for God to direct his steps and to open up the purposes that he's foretold from the beginning of time into his life. And she's like, that would be fine. And this kid, boy, I, I really wish you could have seen his face. I can't remember the words that I, I gave to him. I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, but when that kid left the room, he was different than when he came into the room. You know? Was he saved? Right, I don't know what that means. Was he closer to God when he left that room? Oh, most definitely. You know, R I S K. You know, are we willing to step out and offer the blessing, the presence of Jesus, into someone's need in their life? So this is my close right here. This was written by Frederick Lehman. It says the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forever more endure the saints and angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky.
O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Let's pray. Father, I have no words. You are just so awesome. You know, words can really sum up who you are. Father, I just ask that you would bring the reality of Jesus' work, Jesus' love, the work that he did on the cross, that reality into our lives in a new and more realized way. May it become the very fabric, the very existence of who we are as we go forth and try to carry that out. Lord, help us to see the world through your eyes in need and to offer to bring your presence into those areas in our lives. Holy Spirit, just come. Come with the new gifts.